Hi, this is Scott Walker, and you can't recall courage. Thanks for joining us today on Friday the 13th. No, don't be superstitious. I'm pleased to join you today. I'm on the road. I'm actually in Washington, D.C., about to be headed to Washington State, where just outside of Seattle tonight, I'll be speaking at the Washington State Republican Dinner. Yes, there is such a thing. And I remember back in the year 2000 when Wisconsin and the state of Washington both were considered to be battleground states for then Governor George W. Bush. Ten years later, when Wisconsin was a state in 2010, uh, that transformed everything. Went from a Democrat governor, Democrat lieutenant governor, two Democrat senators, uh, Democrat control of the Assembly and the Senate to all Republican control. And obviously, we know the rest of the story in terms of major reforms there. I'm going to talk a little bit tonight about how that can all happen in the state of Washington. It just takes uh, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of focus. Uh, don't take the bait, something I say all the time. Stay focused on things like we did, the economic and fiscal crises facing our state at the time. And it didn't matter what you ask us, we were going to talk about it. I, I used to chuckle that you could ask what my mother's maiden name was, and I'd say it's Fitch, and every Fitch I know cares about our plan to get the economy going again and, and to balance the budget going forward. So we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, and I'll fill you in about it in the way. Earlier this week, uh, you know, early in the week, beginning of the week, I was actually up in Minneapolis talking about Young America's Foundation and the balanced budget amendment project I've been working on. And while we were there, I got a chance to go over to WCCO and connect uh, with Fox News, where that day they were asking me on Monday what I thought about the uh, congressional race, particularly in the 9th Congressional District in the state of North Carolina. Uh, on Wednesday, we were talking about it. It was interesting. One of my friends, Frank Lunds, who's a, a good guy, I like Frank a lot, but was pushing back a little bit on people celebrating that victory and saying somehow implying that uh, somehow Republicans maybe shouldn't be being our chest so much, considering that was a, a plus 12% Republican district. Yeah, a, a real issue of caution. But remember, the reason for this special election this week was because of a, a, a court or an order uh, because of the election last year. The Democrat who ran is the same Democrat who ran last year, and uh, he had about a two-year head start, about $2 million head start, had nearly 100% name ID, and didn't have to go through a primary. Uh, the Republican candidate who won had a primary. He wasn't the candidate who run last year. He didn't have the financial edge. And so while it is historically a Republican-leading district, for all the talk and hype out there, I, it's, I do think there is something to take away from that. And that is, over the last few weeks, we've heard in the media all sorts of noise about all the Republican retirements. In fact, in my home state of Wisconsin, there have been two just in the last few weeks. Uh, Sean Duffy, great congressman who came in with me back in 2010. You may have heard the news. Uh, he and his wife, Rachel, are expecting their ninth child. And uh, unfortunately uh, for them, uh, this baby yet to be born, but their their unborn child uh, has a, a bit of a heart condition. And so they practice what they preach when they talk about pro-life and pro-family. They are, uh, he's announced that by the end of the month, he'll be leaving the Congress to be able to be more directly involved and with Rachel and the rest of the family and, and making sure their new baby gets all the attention that uh, he or she needs. And so a hat tip to uh, Sean Duffy. But that's going to be open. That's in the northwestern, northern parts of Wisconsin, an area that not only has become much more Republican, an area where President Trump did exceptionally well in the 26th election, 2016 election, I should say, and still continues to do well even today. 
The other district uh, in Wisconsin, uh, as an example of some of the retirements being announced across the country, uh, was Congressman Jim Sensorbetter, who in the past week announced he'd be leaving after more than four decades in the Congress and overall about 50 years in office, including the state legislature. Um, Jim Sensenberg, actually, I should say, was for many years my congressman. He is the distinction, as I recall, of being, at least according to the National Taxpayers Union scorecard, the only member of Congress currently in office today that every year he's been in office has had an A rating uh, through the National Taxpayers Union. So oftentimes people are in office that long and they start to stray. They get away from their core conservative values. They don't focus on on what it means to be an advocate for the taxpayers. Not so with Jim Sensenbrenner. He has consistently been a friend of the taxpayer. Uh, He's announced after more than uh, four decades that he'll be retiring and not running again in 2020. That will leave a wide open field, but really, realistically, again, in a very Republican district, an area where I did extremely well in each of my elections, including the 2018 election, uh, the primary really is the election. And so there's a wide field of excellent Republican candidates. Uh, I believe they'll be blessed get the same kind of quality representation they had for many years under Jim Sensenbrenner. Finally, the, the last thing I just want to talk about is something that puts it all in perspective, and that is earlier this week we recognized the 18th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. In fact, it was interesting when I was in Washington on Wednesday, uh, 9-11, I pointed out that day, and it's even more true today, two year, days later, that uh, anyone who wasn't who was under the age of 18 as of this past Wednesday was born after 9/11. Uh, that's incredibly important to remember because uh, when you've got anyone born after uh, or born excuse me anyone who was under the age of 18 as of Wednesday of this week wasn't born until after 9-11, it is so critically important that we remind them what happened on that day. And probably more importantly, we remind them who did that to us, that this wasn't some random accident, this wasn't some natural disaster. These were radical Islamic terrorists who had a plot and didn't do it just all at once, who had a long-term plan, who were willing to sacrifice themselves and their colleagues, uh, their fellow terrorists, uh, to uh, to not only injure uh, tens of thousands of pe- or thousands and thousands of people, but to kill uh, nearly three thousand innocent people that day and many more who lost their lives since then because of the aftermath of what happened on nine eleven. Add to that all the service members who've stepped up and over the years, particularly my years as governor, I heard from so many family members and friends of uh, loved ones, fallen heroes of our service members who said that their their loved one signed up because of what they saw on 9-11. And so we must never, never forget what happened that day. And the heroes, the firefighters, the police officers, the other law enforcement officials, the first responders, the members of the military who, uh, whether it was in New York City, in Virginia at the Pentagon, or particularly that crew, the, the four leaders and all the rest of the passengers on United Flight 93, uh, that ended up uh, crashing over the fields of Pennsylvania because they knew they had to bring the plane down. They knew they had to rush the cockpit. Example after example after example of true American heroes. One of the things that makes me exceptionally proud to be involved with Young America's Foundation, uh, YAF uh, chapters all across the country on college campuses and even quite a few on high schools 
did a uh, 9-11 Never Forget project, which was putting up a flag for every one of the innocent American citizens who was killed on 9-11. That's been important for the many, many years that they've been involved with that project. But now more than ever, at a time when you're starting to see the, the first class of freshmen uh, being of the age where they, in many cases, uh, were just babies in the future, not even born uh, at the time of 9-11. I know what it was like in our house. So that, that morning, Tonette, my wife, had actually uh, taken off for work early. She was at the time paying uh, claims for an insurance company. She went in early uh, so I could get the kids off to school most days. And, and then she could uh, be done early in the afternoon to pick the kids up after school. Matt and Alex at the time were at Roosevelt Elementary School. I like to remind them back then, Teddy Roosevelt Elementary School. Uh, but that morning, we weren't in school yet. They were getting ready, and I was pouring uh, milk and cereal into their breakfast bowls in our family kitchen in Wauwatosa on 68th, or 73rd Street back then. I remember Tonette giving me a call and telling me to get out of the kitchen, go in the living room, and turn on the TV. And as the morning evolved, I remember Peter Jennings coming to the desk and talking about what all of us just couldn't believe was actually happening. You know, the first plane hit, and... Some were saying that it must have been some sort of accident or fluke. In the past, there had been small planes, and others had somehow sometimes gotten caught and uh, bumped into things coming around, but nothing like a jetliner, uh, nothing like a commercial airplane, what we saw that day, and then to see a second plane. And I remember just how naive we were at the time. I took the kids, put them to school, didn't think much of it other than the fact that it was horrific to watch, but had no idea as to the implications. And so met up with a carpool and drove to work uh, with a number of other folks as we headed over to Madison, where our state capital is at. Along the way, about where the Delafield, Wisconsin uh, exit is, I remember we had the radio on, and the radio announcers were talking about how the second tower of the World Trade Center had actually collapsed. I remember looking over at the others in the carpool, and I think we all looked at each other like, is that what he really said? We, we, We just couldn't believe it. But yet, obviously, indeed, that's exactly what happened. Not one, but two towers, the Twin Towers themselves, something that years ago when President Clinton was office, there were attempts made against the World Trade Center, but no one actually ever thought it would it would be successful. And yet it was on that day. And in fact, as bad as it was, it plenty of stories. I, I wrote about it for today's Washington Times, listing many of the heroes, one of which was a Vietnam veteran from the United States Army who had who'd been the uh, security director at one of the one of the court businesses that had office there. And as I read about him, he had for years complained that he, he thought that there wasn't enough security. They thought the Twin Towers, that the towers they worked in were vulnerable. And so he, for years, had an evacuation plan that he made his employees practice over and over again. And that morning it saved thousands of lives as um, less than 16 minutes after the first tower was hit, he had thousands of employees out the door. Unfortunately, as I wrote today, he was one of those who went back up to the 10th floor to find any stragglers, and his body was never found. There, there are so many examples like that. I remember that week being just overwhelmed as... We came home later that night and, and uh, over the next few days learned more and really um, 
unlike even today, had, had no idea. It was total shock. We didn't know if this was a war. I imagine in many ways, much like the people in Hawaii had felt at the time of Pearl Harbor, not really knowing is this real, is it not real, what is exactly is happening. I think that was true probably with people all across the country. Obviously a very horrific thing, and I was worried not only about what was going to happen, but over the days that followed, was worried that our sons, Matt and Alex, as young as they were, could be traumatized like about this for the rest of their life. And certainly they take it very seriously, as, as they should, and as should every other American. But I also remember that later in the week, that was a Tuesday, 9-11, 2001, but by, by Friday, President Bush had called on Americans. He put out a national call for Americans to go out and to pray and to hold candles on the front of their homes that Friday night. I think it was at 7 o'clock. And so on the way into school that day, Tonette had mentioned, to, or excuse me, she, on the way out, I should say when she was picking up the kids, she mentioned to a number of the other parents that we were going to do something that night out in our front yard, invited them to come on over. And we had no idea who'd show up, but I remember a little before about quarter of seven that evening, uh, we opened up the door and our yard was filled. I think all of us just wanted to be together. We, we just wanted to, to be together as a family. And so with uh, a yard full of folks, we went and found a bunch of old candles and cut them into small pieces and handed them out to each. My my dad, who'd been a retired pastor at the time, led us in a, a wonderful prayer. And then we lit the candles and we looked around and I just let everybody in singing, God bless America. I think back to that and I cherish that evening because to me, as much as the Twin Towers coming down, I know that for Matt and Alex, not only his children, but for Tunnett and I, for my parents and all the other parents and kids from our neighborhood who joined us that evening, as they probably did countless numbers of others all across the country and probably in some cases around the world, for that moment, we were united, we stand. We were coming together and sending a message, even in our little front yard in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. The terrorist wouldn't win. We weren't going to let them terrorize us. We were going to continue to stand together, to be united for freedom. Much more important than, than Democrat or Republican, liberal or conservative, uh, but being an American. And uh, that's something as bad as it was on 9-11-2001. Hopefully, we can continue not only to never forget the innocent victims whose lives were lost, never forget who did that to us, but also never forget that sense of unity we felt as Americans in the, the days after, that we set aside some of our differences to figure out what brought us together and why there would be some awful evil people like those who attacked our, our Twin Towers in New York City, the Pentagon in Virginia and the District of Columbia area, and anywhere else across this country that that ultimately the reason they did that is because they were threatened by our freedoms. Freedoms we need to stand up and protect. With that, I'm Scott Walker, and thanks for joining us And You Can't Recall Courage. Till next week, keep fighting for freedom.